This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And good evening, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. You are tuned in. It's 12.15 a.m. Saturday night, or if you prefer, Sunday morning. But nonetheless, the Spirit of God is with us. You're tuned into the broadcast, and I want to welcome you, and I want to let you know not to touch that dial. I believe tonight that if you open up your heart to receive the Word of God, that there will be a change brought to you. The Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful, pierces the divide and asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrows, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God also calls itself the perfect law of liberty. It's able to make you free. So you might be bound up. You might be twisted up. There might be something in your life that's out of order. But the Word of God has the unique ability to put your life in order. You know, there's so many people today. Their lives are, like I just said, out of order. And that's what's making them miserable. That's what's making them know that there's something missing. And the Spirit of God has directed you to this program. Or you might even be listening to it by podcast. Do not continue to uh to set you free so continue to stay tuned and don't touch that dial before we get into the broadcast tonight i want to thank all of our partners you know we are a listener supported broadcast and so we thank everyone that partners with our show and makes it possible for us to continue we've almost been on air now almost a whole year next month it will be a year and we're thankful for every person that writes to us our your testimonies your prayer requests and we're very thankful for you and we appreciate you. We want you to know if you want to learn more about our ministry, you can go to www.chrispalmerministries.com or write P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. We have a podcast on the road with Chris Palmer where all of our shows are archived so you can listen in as well as some various preachings from places that I select. And we also want you to know, have you gotten my book? It's out now. It's called The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, and it's available at Amazon.com. Just type in The Believer's Journey, or type in Chris Palmer, or you can Google it, or you can just go on our website, www.chrispalmerministries.com, and you can pick the book up. It'll be a great blessing to you, as it has already been for those that have been reading it, so don't miss out. I also want to remind people that are listening, you know, some people say, do you have a church? No, I don't have a church. I am an itinerant speaker and preacher and an author. I don't have a church, but some people say, I want to come hear you preach. When are you doing something in Detroit? Well, I want to announce to you and let you know that I will be preaching at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan, coming up for four Fridays in a row, October 25th, 2013, and November 1st, 2013, November 8th, and November 15th. Again, that's October 25th. That's uh, November 1st, November 8th, and November 15th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan. Now, it's a free event, and I want you to come and bring somebody that needs a touch from the Lord. Bring someone that needs to experience the supernatural power of God in their life or someone that needs deliverance. Bring them. Bring somebody that needs a fresh anointing, someone that needs a fresh outpouring of God in their life. It's a free event. Just bring them, and you'll be blessed. There'll be anointed teaching, preaching from myself. And, of course, our worship band will be there. The worship band will be there. 
and it will bless you tremendously as people have been blessed in our supernatural services in times past. We've seen people healed of asthma. We've seen people, they've been pain all in their body get delivered. People have been delivered from oppression in their mind. And so we want you to come and expect. When you come, bring your expectation and bring your faith as I believe it will contribute. And you'll add your supply, like Paul says in Philippians, add your supply of the Spirit. Today I want to talk to you about an issue of your heart. It says here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice it says scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law does he meditate day and night. Two things that are contrasted right next to each other. The first is the scornful, and the second is delightful. When you think of God, there are two responses that you could possibly have in your heart. Number one, you could be scornful at God. Or number two, you could be delightful at God. Just go up and down the street to people, ask them what they think of God, or talk to your closest friends, and there will be a variety of opinions. But you'll find that more or less they will fluctuate on the you're happy with God, and you're pleased by God, or you're upset and you're angry with God. And I don't want to talk to you about your about, well, concealing anger toward the Lord. I find many people as a minister and as a preacher, they're very angry at God and they're upset at Him. There's something in their heart that when they think of Him, they get bitter, they get frustrated, and they get confused. And this is a very important issue because the most important issues that you deal with in somebody or that you have in your life are issues of the flesh. Anytime, or excuse me, issues of the heart. Anytime an issue has to do with simply that of the flesh, it can be overcome if your heart is in the right position. What causes you to be, uh, what, what, what causes you to be teachable and what causes you to be pliable and to overcome weaknesses that you might have in your flesh is when your heart is in the right position. But if you develop within an issue of the heart, what does the flesh have to overcome its weakness? It doesn't have anything. It doesn't have the cooperation of your heart. That's why when you see in Hebrews chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 6 when there's a mention of apostates and people that have turned their back on the Lord and their back on the faith, this something in their life began to run so deep that it began to affect their heart. And your heart is the rudder that's going to determine which direction that you go. When people come to me and they say, I have this issue in my life, the very first thing that I try to see is, where is the root of this issue? Is it something that's going on? Is the temptation rooted in desire of the flesh? Or is it rebellion of the heart? Again, you can have desire of the flesh or rebellion of the heart that causes you to go deeper into something. Well, you have to understand, like I said, the heart governs you. That's the inner man. If you're listening tonight, there are three aspects of your nature. You have the soul, the body, and the spirit. You're not a body. You look in the mirror. That's not you. And it's not you're not even your feelings and you're not even your emotions. You are inner you are an inner spirit. The Bible calls it your pneuma. You have a suke, which is your soul. That's the way you feel about things. If someone says, I like your sweater, you feel nice, you feel okay, happy, they like my sweater. Someone says, you know, you did a good job on that test. You get excited. Your professor puts an A plus and a smiley face and makes you feel good. That's your emotions. Somebody breaks your heart. That's your emotions, but that's not the real you. That's how the real you is feeling at that time. But the real you is a spirit. It's the person that is the divine part of God, the part that God breathed into you, the divine aspect that separates you from animals. It's your inner you. Spirits uh, are who you really are, and you live in a body. Now, this spirit man governs you. 
And so, needless to say, some people get healed in their body in services. God heals a tumor. They get touched in their eyes. They can see. The deaf ear pops open. and But they can walk away and their heart still not be in the right position. Eventually, the rot in your heart will start to show up in your bodies. You know, I remember one time when I had a um, Jeep and, uh, and I had it a couple years. And the more I drove the Jeep, you know, I started noticing that there was a, well, it actually happened permanently. There was a gauge, and it popped up, and it showed my transmission. And it was indicating to me that there's something wrong with the vehicle. But I ignored it, and I continued to drive. And eventually, it wasn't just the gauge telling me that there was something wrong with the vehicle. I started having issues shifting gears, and then the transmission started popping, and I kept putting it off until finally I took it in and they told me I needed a whole new transmission. It was going to cost $1,400. This is what happens with the heart. You know, you somebody starts telling you or people start noticing outwardly that you just are becoming a different person. Or they start telling you that there's something different about you. Or you start even noticing about yourself that there's something different about me. I'm not the same person that I used to be, good or bad. And in this case, let's talk about bad. And you know that something's different within but you can't identify it and you can't figure it out and you look down in the interior of yourself and you can't find it and you keep putting it off and putting it off refusing to deal with this until you begin to experience in your life failure and then all of a sudden if you don't deal with it at that point you have a total breakdown and you just crash so it's an essential that you pay attention to indicators in your life, be it someone who's close to you, a pastor, a teacher, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, a mentor, or even yourself or a family member that knows you and lets you know if you're having issues in your heart. You're not the same person that you're supposed to be because it's important that you immediately deal with those issues of your heart. So the greatest issues that stalks our heart, and I want to talk to you tonight, the greatest things that get into your heart is one of those things, as I just mentioned, and that is anger toward the Lord. Anger toward God is a heart issue, and it is probably single-handedly responsible for many of the bondages and issues that people are getting themselves into today. You say, why is that person doing that? You know, have you ever looked at a sinner? Or not just a sinner, let's forget about the sinners. Let's just talk about people that knew God at one point, or know God, or claim to know God. People that have had experiences with church, or experiences being around people that have gone to church. And you see them involved in church, and they're in the choir, they're in the youth group, they're involved in the praise and worship team, maybe even a pastor. And then later on, you see them, first you see them serving God, then you see them doing something crazy, and continuing in that craziness. And you say, why are they doing that? Well, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Bible says that God looks at their heart. That's First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. So what you don't see is that there's something in their heart that is causing them to continue in sin. If somebody falls into sin once... Well, could have just been temptation, twice temptation. But continued sin usually goes deeper into a heart issue. Somewhere deep within a person, if someone's alcoholic, if someone's homosexual, if somebody's into pornography, if somebody's involved in continual rifts and strifes and divisions, somebody's angry at, uh, and yelling at people constantly, all different things, bondages. Uh, somewhere deep within that person, they may be bitter toward God, angry at God. The moment you say the name of Jesus, it provokes them to wrath. When they lift their head from the bondage, they will eventually realize that what spiraled them into this bondage was not the temptation itself. 
In the past, they said that they had the strength to resist the temptation. Maybe it wasn't even appealing to them. But rather, what may have gotten them into this bondage was the anger that they had toward God that said, If you're not going to help me, Lord, then I'm going to try to please myself. Or, I will do this to get back at you. And with this, the sin creates a consequence and separates you from God, which will lead to sadness and will leave you angry at God, sad and without much power to do anything to get out of this mess because you have divorced yourself from a relationship with God through something that's called sin. And sin at the core is nothing more than willful rebellion. Now, this is a terrible place to be. I know people have gotten themselves into things they shouldn't do. There's sometimes people, they feel that God's left them. They feel that they don't want any more to do with God. And they go sleep around. Maybe that before that they were a virgin. Maybe before that they never had a sexual encounter, a sexual experience. And then they get mad at God for something. Maybe he, somebody in their life was close to them that died. Or maybe there was somebody that was representative of God that failed and had a moral failure. And it, their world came crashing down. They got mad at God. So they said, I'm throwing all this to the wind. And I'm going to go please my flesh and gratify myself. And it wasn't that they wanted to do it. It's just they were angry at God and they saw this as a way to deal with it. When people continue in bondage, there comes a point in every person's life that's dealing with bondage where they get so tired of it. And they say, how did I get here? What put me in this position? Of course the devil. Of course the enemy. But what is it that he did to your heart to cause you to continue in it and not want to pull yourself out from it? In many cases, it's anger toward God. It's anger at him. Now, if you're angry at God tonight and you're listening, you can either deny it or you can accept it. You might even, there's people that are so angry at God. They're so mad at him. The ultimate thing that people do to divorce themselves from God is to say that he doesn't exist, that he's not real, that he's pretend, that he's uh, he, he cannot be known, they're agnostics, they, we don't, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, or they're atheists, he isn't, and they separate themselves through this. Well, there's no proof that he not, doesn't exist. I ask atheists, they say, do you, have you seen God? No. Why? Well, he doesn't exist. So you've searched the whole universe, you haven't found him. Well, I don't, I don't know. He does not, not. They haven't seen. There's no way they can prove it. And they haven't proved it through science. They haven't. They can just use their reasoning to, to assume that he doesn't exist. But most of these people are angry at God anyway. Let me say this tonight as we talk about being angry towards God. Number one, God loves you. And God cares about you. And though you're angry at God, he understands you. But he wants you to mend the difference in your heart between you and him. And he wants you to get it right. If you're angry at God tonight, you're not in bad company. As a matter of fact, some of God's greatest prophets were angry at God. They were mad at him. If you're taking notes tonight on the radio, you know, this is something good for you to write down. That the root of anger toward God, in most cases, in almost all cases, probably every case, actually, I'd beg to say 100% of the cases, is misunderstanding God. You're mad at God. You picked God to be mad at, and the reason you picked him to be mad at in your heart is because you misunderstood him. The Bible talks about the story of Jonah. I've talked about Jonah on this broadcast before. He was a prophet of God. He was elected, 
to go as a representative of him Jonah, uh, to Nineveh, to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh, which is a busy, busy city in, in Assyria, and that was uh, Nineveh, to preach the gospel to the Ninevites and to the Assyrians. Well, they were Israel's oppressor. oppressor. <laughs> and Jonah, he was a national and patriotic towards his country. And these were the Gentiles. These were the heathens. These were the ones that deserved the wrath and the judgment of God. God elected him to preach. And Jonah, after, uh, of course, we know the story in the first two chapters. He says, no, I don't want to do it. He runs from God. He goes on a boat. He goes down to Tarshish. He gets there. Boats get stormy and waves. And they get mad at Jonah. And they say, who's causing this? It's someone on this boat. And Jonah says, it's me. And they throw him overboard. And God prepares a fish. The fish comes, swallows him up, takes him, spits him out on the land. And God gives Jonah a choice. And he says, now will you go preach to my people? Jonah, after all that, says, fine, God, I will go to Nineveh and I'll preach your word. And the Bible says that Jonah had to go a three days journey after this, after he spit him up. It says here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. It says, So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. He had to go three days after that. But when Jonah went, his heart still, it was right towards God. But his expectation and his understanding of who God is had not been sorted out. He was willing and he was obedient. But when Jonah went to Nineveh, he expected to preach. And he expected the Ninevites to rebel and reject his message and there was something in Jonah that wanted to see them do that and he wanted to witness them to be judged he was looking forward to seeing the wrath of God on the Ninevites because in his rationale he thought I'll go preach and I'll get God off my back and I'll get to watch the destruction of my enemies the problem is Jonah misunderstood who God is and when people get angry at God, they misunderstand the very first thing that First John chapter 4 tells us, and that is God is love. There is nothing that love isn't God, God is love. And that simply means that love's source is the Heavenly Father. God didn't want to see the Ninevites perish. God wanted to give them a chance to receive him and turn from their idols and their practices and he sent Jonah to do it now look what it says here it says that after Jonah preached that the whole city turned to him and then it says in verse in chapter 4 <laughs> verse well it says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 and God saw their works that they turned from their evil and God repented of the evil and he had said that he would do it unto them, and he did it not. It means he held back his wrath. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and prayed unto the Lord, and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He thought that God's kindness 
and his loving mercy only extended towards him. And then it says here, Then said the Lord, Dost thou do well to be angry? He was mad at God. He was upset. Jonah went out of that city, sat on the east side of the city, and there made a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He was watching that city to see what would happen. And I really believe Jonah wanted to see that city go back into sin and to go back and turn away from God. And of course the story tells you that the Lord prepares a gourd, goes over Jonah's head, covers him from the shade. The Bible says that then that gourd dies and then Jonah, because he has nothing to shade him, he gets sunstruck, has heat stroke, and he becomes miserable. He's about to die. And the Lord says to him after this, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither made it to grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein there are more than six thousand, six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? Well, God was basically saying, Jonah, you have having pity on this gourd, this branch that put over your head, and it died and you feel bad for the branch, but you don't feel bad for these people that were killed in the city. And Jonah was angry at God because he misunderstood him. And the moral of the parable is that God is merciful and he's compassionate and that all good things proceed out of him. The Bible says in James that all things uh, that all things come from heaven that are good and acceptable. The Bible says that uh, that God is good. You know he is. He is the source of everything. That is good. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. Uh, that's what I was trying to reference, that scripture. I couldn't get it in my brain. I had to access it. And so, he wasn't the only person in scripture that thought God was mad at him. Job misunderstood God and he was angry, but he, Job was another person. He thought God was laughing at him. Job was someone that thought that God was behind his problems. He was the one that was creating havoc for himself. It says in Job chapter 9, in verse 23, If the scourge slays suddenly, he will laugh at the trial of the innocent. Job, at, in his lowest point, after all that he was going through, he thought that God was laughing at the innocent. Job chapter 16, in verse 23, Job makes a reference, and he thinks that God was using him as target practice. Job 16, let me get there, and verse 13 says, His archers compass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. He thought that God had picked him up and was using him to shoot targets and shoot arrows at. Do you feel like that tonight? That maybe in the midst of your circumstances, that for some reason God is testing you and shooting arrows at you and seeing how high you can jump if you could duck them. This is all part of your test, and because of this, you're wondering, where is God at? And you don't even think that God is no longer on your side. You think that he's against you, starting the source of your trouble. Is that you tonight? Because the Bible says that that's not what God's about. And if you think this is God, that he's the one causing your trouble, you're going to ultimately be angry at him. You say, well, God could stop it. No, he can't. The Bible says the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of man. That's why you have to pray, because he has leased this earth to people. And it's up to you 
and it's up to mankind what goes on. And he has offered himself to give direction. He's offered himself to give help. He's offered himself. He gave his son for you. But you have to pray it into existence and believe God and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to see it come to pass here in the earth. So he's sovereign, but he has limited his sovereignty to your working with him. Now, there is a difference now. I want to say this. People get angry at God because they misunderstand him. But that's not to say that we all perfectly understand God. There's things about him that have yet to be revealed. When you get a trillion years from now into another age, there's still things about God that you will still figure out, that you will still get to know about God. So there are going to be times when you probably you get angry at him or you at least wonder. But there's a difference in how you approach your anger towards God. One of the things that people do the most when they're angry at him, they do the worst thing they can do, and they conceal that anger. Conceal means to keep it from sight and to hide it. When you take anger towards God and you conceal it and you hide it from your sight and not from his sight because he sees it, but you think you're hiding it from his sight, anger turns into something that's called scorn. Just like we saw in Psalm chapter 1. Scorn is the fruit of concealed anger. Scorn means to mock. It it means to jeer. And so anger is a feeling of displeasure and belligerence aroused by a wrong. Someone slaps you in the head. All of a sudden you get displeasure. You get belligerent. You start yelling at the person because you've been wronged. You feel that way about God. He's wronged you, so you get angry. It's emotion that's built up. But when you hide that and don't deal with it right away, it turns into something. It ferments into scorn, which is disdain, derision, and contempt for something. When you are angry, you go on the defensive. Somebody wrongs you. You're, you know, you go. I'm gonna get. You know, I'm defending myself. I'm. I am, yes, you you slap me, so I slap you. You punch me, I punch you. You started it, I'm going to finish it. You're defending yourself. But when you're scornful, you go on the offensive. When When God, you feel angry at God, you take the initiative to start making fun of God. You look for people to slap down and to let them know that you once believed in God, but... He wronged you, he allowed your mom to die, he allowed your dad to die, he allowed your family to get in a car accident, he allowed yourself to get sick, whatever. You didn't hear your grandma, and you're going to now look for people that are good-hearted believers, and you're going to scorn them because you're full of scorn. People that scorn are people that are full of scorn. And so, if you interview the people who are mocking God today, somewhere along the line, they misunderstood God, and it turned to anger. They concealed that anger for too long. And it turned into scorn. When I was preaching uh, Napa Valley a couple weeks ago, uh, I was given a lesson on how wine was made. They were at least telling me how we were driving through, and they were telling me one of the guys we were with, he worked at a winery, and he was telling me a little bit of how wine was made. And first, you take expensive grapes that they picked from these trees, and then you crush them and place the juice into vats. Of course, that's basic knowledge but what i didn't know is that sometimes these 
this juice that came from the grapes are left in those vats for can be anywhere from five years to ten years to twenty years twenty years of that juice inside those vats concealed away in darkness untouched by anything in the world just sitting there doing what fermenting that's 20 christmases that go by 20 uh 4th of july's that go by nothing moves at all it just sits there and what it does is it continues to be concealed and the longer it's there it gets more bitter it gets more bitter and begins to ferment more and more this is what happens when people are offended they're crushed they don't understand God. Something takes place in their life they can't explain and it breaks their heart and it crushes them. And what that does is they take what's been crushed, which is their emotions or the way they feel, and they lock it off and they seal it away and they keep it in the darkness. They don't allow any preacher to speak to it. They don't allow any minister to explain it away. And when they go into church to hear the word of the Lord, but they don't allow the word of the Lord to penetrate this aspect of their heart. It's locked off from the rest of the world. And what they don't realize what is going off because they've concealed this anger. It starts to ferment. It starts to uh, become rotten. It be starts to become rotted. And it begins to affect them as a person. Until they become intoxicated with scorn. Intoxicated with bitterness. Towards the one they think that wronged them. Most of the time, that's God. Don't mention God around this person. They don't want to hear it. They don't want you to talk about it. God is not somebody they even want to put into their consideration. When you conceal your anger like this. You enter into a chamber of darkness and depression where the enemy begins to twist your thoughts and create all kinds of illusions about God and the world around you. Now, because you're scornful and you're upset at God, you have to try to figure out a way to explain away God's loving kindness. So, scorn begins to do a number of things to you. Anger, number one, towards God, the very first thing that it does, according to Job chapter 38, verse 1, 2, is that it blinds you from spiritual truth. It says in Psalm 38, 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? When you're scornful, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, cannot penetrate your heart and bring spiritual life and light and understanding everything you see comes through the lens that God is angry at you and this blocks light from the gospel from coming forth see when you misunderstand God and you misunderstand him it's going to skew your interpretation of the word of God it's going to skew your interpretation of the truths that are in the Word of God. And when people are getting touched and their heart is getting full, filled with revelation, yours won't. It'll be hard. The next thing that it begins to do 
after cutting off revelation knowledge is because there's no continual flow of the revelation of God in your life. It does something very dangerous <clears throat> and it begins to change your doctrine. Now you might say, I don't have a doctrine. Yes, you do. Doctrine is a set of truths wherewith you believe. And doctrine is not something that man came up. Doctrine is supernatural. The word doctrine is mentioned all over First and Second Timothy when Paul is telling young Timothy to attend unto doctrine. Give attendance to, a doc to, to doctrine. Give attendance to the way you believe because your doctrine affects what you teach. It's how you see God and his redemptive plan for mankind. And whether you completely renounce God, that might be one thing you do. That would be changing your doctrine more or less. But what it could do is cause you to form a false doctrine based upon a wrong premise. You didn't know why God didn't heal your grandma. She died of sickness, even though you prayed. So now you believe it's not God's will to heal. So you never preach healing. As a matter of fact, that's what you first do. You stop preaching healing. You stop laying hands on people. You stop singing songs about God's healing power. You stop even worshiping it as the healer. And then you start forming a doctrine and saying that the gifts of the Spirit passed away. That's all out of anger. But what happens is now scorn sets in and you look for people that preach that and you start jeering them and making fun of them and mocking them. And what you don't realize is the anger that you have towards God because you misunderstood him has now uh, become an enemy of the gospel. And then you look for people to side with you all the while your doctrine is being changed and you can't even see it. And what you don't realize is there's a demon spirit behind it trying to propagate that kind of thing. And you get mad at anybody that disagrees because you had an experience. And then someone comes along and starts talking about healing and how God did it. You get more angry at God. Why would you do it for them but you wouldn't do it for me? And you still don't have a misunderstanding. You still have misunderstanding and don't understand God. And you're not any closer, closer, friend. Let me tell you, don't do that. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to make you go all the more farther or further. Uh... When you have scorn in your life and you think God is angry at you, one thing it does in your life is it produces shame. People are full of shame today. When you talk to somebody, you think about what they've done, they think about the mistakes they've made, their lives are full of shame. Shame has all kinds of consequences from everything to causing people to be promiscuous, to causing them to lose their identity, to causing them to have identity disorders and uh they're very self-conscious people they're not bold they're or you know they just and they're sad or depressed uh you can't uh inferiority complex is another thing that comes as a result of shame and this is all because you think that god looks at you terribly ultimately you are going to look at yourself the way that you perceive how god looks at you so if you think God is mad at yourself, it's going to produce shame in your life because you will always be angry at yourself. If you think God is angry with you, you'll be angry with you. Because you'll look at yourself the way that God looks at you. You get an identity from your father. You see yourself the way your earthly father sees you. If you had a bad relationship with your earthly father, it's going to mess up the way that you see yourself because you get identity from your dad. And God can change this through the power of his Holy Spirit, and that's why he's giving you his word. But you're going to look at yourself the way you think God looks at you. If you go to bed at night thinking God is mad at you, you'll wake up 
in the morning feeling guilty that you're far from God. And you'll be full of shame. Another thing that um, having anger in your heart towards God, it makes you disdain the presence of God. The presence of God represents God. Of course, it is God. It is His presence. And when people are mad at God, when they get into the presence, they don't worship. Their hearts are calloused. They hope the music hurry up and gets by. And they never become God-aware. They're only self-aware. They're only self-conscious. They're only conscious of themselves. Because of that, they don't enjoy the presence of God. And they walk without the presence of God. And we get to a place where we would rather avoid Him than worship Him. And worship just becomes music and does no longer register in our spirit as the sound of heaven. And so we no longer take that with us. It's hard to get in that presence because we're full of shame and our doctrine no longer supports what the songs are about. And our hearts are clouded from spiritual truth. This is what happens. This is what anger towards God and eventually scorn would lead to. We're going to talk more about it when we get back. I want you to stay tuned. And we'll be back. Right after this break.
here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. I want to remind you before we get into the remainder of our show tonight that my book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, is now available. You can find it on our website, www.chrispalmerministries.com, or you can go to amazon.com and type in The Believer's Journey or Chris Palmer, and the book will come up, and you can get it for purchase. Also, we'll be having our uh, services at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan, across the street from the Imagine Theater on October 25th, November 1st, 8th, and 15th at 7.30 p.m. nightly. It's a free uh, event, no registration necessary. Bring someone that needs a touch from the Lord, someone that needs healing in their body, somebody that's looking to get delivered from depression or fear or concern, or just find your identity inside of Jesus. I wrote this book for you, friend, and I want to minister to it, and it's a free event, so come out and be blessed by it. We're going to finish talking tonight about um, what happens when you're angry towards God. We've talked about several things that happen when you're angry at God. Blinds you from spiritual truth, changes your doctrine, creates shame in your lives, and makes you disdain the presence of God. Another thing it does is it makes you angry at God's representatives. People that are upset with God and angry at Him, they no longer become angry at Him. They become angry at people that preach Him. And angry at people that speak for God. You ever see people that have no respect for pastors, they have no respect for ministers, no respect for anybody that shares God. They make fun of people that go out in the streets and hand out tracts. They make fun of people that go to hospitals and pray for healing. This is because they're angry and they're mad at God. Don't let them fool you. They don't know more than you know, friend. They're just more angry at God because something didn't go the way they expected it to go. One of the other things that being angry at God does, that this is important, This is what a lot of people do. Even if you're a little bit angry at God, it will put you in survival mode. That's the mode that says you must do it yourself. You say, okay, God, you're not going to help me. I'm going to do this all by myself. And you throw God to the wind. You throw your faith to the wind. And instead of operating by faith, you start operating by willpower and talent and ability and no longer depending on God's supernatural and divine providence and provision. 
You say, oh, God, I've been single for this long. I don't need your help no more, God. I'm going to go find, you know, a man or a wife to help me. Do do it all by myself. And you no longer expect to hear the voice of God. In finding a mate, you no longer expect to hear the voice of God. In picking somebody out, you're just going to do it all yourself. Because you're mad at God and you're moping. This will get you into trouble. Don't do it. And Jeremiah 9, chapter 14, I won't go there for time tonight, but it talks about how the Israelites, when they divorced themselves from God, they began to walk according to the imaginations of their own heart. So that means that instead of, because spiritual light has been blocked, spiritual truth has been blocked, you say that, you know, I need to function off of something. And you start responding to the imaginations that your evil heart is producing. And you're under the delusion that these will make your life enjoyable. And after all, you owe it to yourself because God is not nice. He's malevolent. He's not benevolent. He's a mean God. He's not loving. And the Bible is all wrong. So you're just going to do these things and make your life enjoyable. Stop that. Listen. You walk according to your own imagination, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And you're going to cause problems. And you're going to get up from the spiral one day and wonder how you got there. And it all started when you didn't check that anger towards God at the front door. Or you no longer are thankful and become stewards for what God has given you. When the pastors in, in Jeremiah chapter 12 had... Uh, divorced themselves from the presence of God, they began to uh, not take care of what God had given them. They began to, they weren't thankful anymore. This is what happens when people are mad at God. They don't have that thankfulness. And you know what happens? It says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 that God loves a cheerful giver. And when you don't, uh, when are mad at God, you'll hold back your tithes and you'll hold back your offerings. You're blaming God for your financial trouble and your financial woes. What you'll do is you'll hold back tithes and offerings as a way to get back at God. And then you'll miss out on the blessing. Oh, Willa Palmer, you're one of those people that believes that God has a blessing for you when you give tithes and offerings. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. I believe that when you give, it's given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Just research all the millionaires that have said that when they began to give to the kingdom of God, they were blessed because of it. You know, when people tell me they love God, but they don't give anything financially to the kingdom of God, it makes me wonder. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. People say they love God and they're concerned about hearing the gospel preached. I ask people all the time, I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Yes. Do you believe the world needs to hear? Yes. Do you believe hell is real? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus can heal? Yes. How do you believe it will happen? Well, they have to hear the word of God. How do you think they hear the word of God? Someone goes and preaches. Well, who sends them to go preach? People send people to preach. And I've seen people make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. The offering plate comes by and they throw a 20 in. Are you kidding me? Well, your brother, you shouldn't judge somebody's giving. When they tell me that's all they give, are you serious? Give me a break, please. I've been a giver my whole life. You say, well, you can't talk. I can talk. I've been a giver my whole life. I challenge you if you're listening tonight, be a giver. Because you can't have anything in your life that you don't honor. 
And when you don't honor God and you don't honor his kingdom through giving financially, you can't have or experience it in your life because you're not honoring it. And then what happens is um, you begin to treat those whom God has put in your lives with contempt. He put the church in your life. He put people in the church in your life. You get angry at them and you start treating them with contempt. There are relationships God's given you. Your wife, your husband, friends that have come directly from God, pastors. And if you're angry at God, you start treating everything that God has given you with contempt. You start looking for new friends, new people to hang out with, people that are in the world. It's all, friend, all of this. All of this is because you're mad at God. And the reason is you don't understand him. Now, I want to say this. There are two types of angers that you can have towards God. I'll say it like this. There are two ways that you can handle your anger towards God. Because I said towards the beginning of this broadcast that you don't have a perfect understanding, so you may misunderstand him from time to time. You may see something in your life that looks like a problem or an issue, and you wonder, what is God doing? Why is this happening? But your right response is in your misunderstanding, if you get angry, don't worry about red-hot anger that would drive you closer to the presence of God. Because there are examples in Scripture of people that are angry, like Moses, but that anger brings them closer to the presence. This is that type of anger that causes you to dialogue and seek God for an answer. You may not understand, God. You're mad that this happened. Why is this going to happen, God? Why is this going on? Why, why are you allowing this to happen? And it drives you to seek an answer. Instead of rebelling, you hit your knees and you get down and you say, God, I need an answer. I'm not leaving until your presence comes. I'm not leaving until you reveal something to me. I'm angry at you, God. I'm mad. I'm upset. How could you let this happen? What don't I understand about this? And then... God reveals himself to you, and that anger is what usually revealed and made known God to you. It drove you closer to him. But what you need to be aware of is that cold, bitter resentment that solidifies and calluses your heart into a bitter silence that pushes you away from God. This is the kind of anger that's concealed. It's secret anger that you have towards Him. And what it eventually will do, it will turn to scorn. And it will begin to ferment and rot the guts out of your heart. You have that cold look in your eye. You no longer have that light glow about you that everybody loves, and nobody can figure out what's going on with you. And in order to fill the void that God uh, once had in you, you begin to experiment with sin. And sin begins to bring the curse into your life. It begins to bring death unhappiness, sadness, depression. You start loathing things. And eventually you don't even want to live anymore. All because 
you misunderstood God. And your response to your anger was not right. You concealed it. You didn't go to God and reason with it. And you missed out. Do you have secret anger toward God in your life tonight, friend? Are you listening to this broadcast on a Saturday night mad at Him? I can tell you, He's not your problem. The problem is, you're misunderstanding Him. He wants to give you an answer. What's the way out? Job chapter 13 and verse 20. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, he was a man that had it all and lost everything. And he was a righteous man. He didn't do anything. But it will tell you in the first chapter that it was Satan that took it from him. It was the devil. There is a devil that causes problems. He is the source. If you're going to be angry, be angry at the devil. He's the one that will take from you and pretend to be God while doing it. It says, Job told God, Only do not two things unto me. Then will I not hide myself from you. Withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. He said, Withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. Only two things unto me, then I will not hide myself from thee. Job, in these words, was looking and seeking an encounter with God. A reality. Can God become real to me? When you're mad at God, the appropriate response is to first of all admit that you're mad at God. Let Him know that you're angry. Let Him know why you're angry. Most of the time, you'll find out it's because you don't understand either Him or what He's working in your life. Or you don't see how the power of the Holy Spirit can come upon you and begin to pull you up out of that mess. Or you don't know the source of the problem. And if you ask God for an encounter, He's faithful even when we don't believe. When we encounter God and His presence shows up and He gives us an answer, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be in two days, but eventually... He'll show you, His presence will show up. He'll reveal something to you. He'll speak something to you. All of your questions will begin to find answers. The knots of confusion will become untangled. And your heart will become cleansed. The times, friend, that you are angriest with God, He will prove to be your greatest area. Well, I'll say it like that. The times you are angry at God, those will prove to be your greatest areas of growth or your greatest areas of defeat. Those are the moments in your life that count. When anger starts brewing in your heart, you have to decide, am I going to conceal it or am I going to use it to drive me closer to God? And you must begin with this premise. God is good. God is love. He is gracious and He is compassionate. And I am his child. If a son will ask bread of any man that's a father, will that man give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he offer him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you, being carnal, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father 
give them to them to them to them that ask him. God's not the one causing problems. He longs to give you the kingdom. He longs to give you that which is good. He longs to heal you and heal the sick people in your family and preserve your life and give you long life as you preach the gospel. He's not your problem. He's your answer. If you're listening tonight, if you conceal your anger, it will be a time of defeat. If you're honest with it, I promise you, if you seek God, it will turn into an encounter and it will grow. I want to pray with you tonight, friend. If you're angry at God, I want you to confess it and I want you to renounce it in your life. Because it all begins by being honest with Him. I promise you, if you're not angry at God anymore, you'll stop fornicating. You'll stop the habit. You'll stop going to the strip club. You'll stop beating your wife up. You will stop verbally abusing your kids and your siblings. You will stop stealing money rightfully from your employees. You're doing all this because you're mad at God. You take it out on people. Pray with me tonight, friend. I want to pray with you. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent for being angry with you. You are not the source of my problems. I may have had this anger in my heart for years, and I deal with it now. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Purify me. Wash me. Jesus, I'm sorry. Set me free from this anger. I confess you are good. I confess that you are love. That every good and perfect gift comes from you, my Father, who is in heaven. You long to give me the kingdom. I'm your child. I've been adopted into the family of God. Now say, I renounce being angry at you, God. Turn my back on it. Set me free. Save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, God bless you. God loves you. I believe that slowly but surely as you start responding to the leadings of the Spirit, he'll begin to reveal parts of himself to you out of his glory, and you'll begin to know who he is in your heart. We'll get back to being what he called you to be. You haven't missed it. You're not going to continue to miss it. Continue to move forward in God. I love you. I want to remind you, Amazon.com, The Believer's Journey. Also, October 25th, November 1st, 8th and 15th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan. I'm going to be preaching. The power of God will be there. God will be there. Will you? God bless you, friend. We'll be back on our broadcast next week, 12:15 a.m. If you want to visit us, write P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390, or www.chrispalmerministries.com. God bless you. I love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com, or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ, 103.5 FM, The Light.